The KWSN Fan Line, brought to you by Tires, 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 your give-you-more tire and automotive store, with two stores to serve you. Go to Tires3.com. I did watch him. I was standing right behind him when he was warming up and saw him kind of reach for his groin and, you know, hold it and whatever you do with the groin, rub it. That's what I think I witnessed. Um, tw- it twinged a little bit on him. Brad Childress, unfortunately, remembered as well for that as other things, including uh, 39 and 35 run, one of the best Minnesota Vikings teams to ever not reach the Super Bowl, an explosive team that put a smile on a lot of our faces in 2009, but there you go. Uh, He said he is really, really, really retired, according to our friend Chris Thomason of the St. Paul Pioneer Press, who joined our show yesterday with Tavares Jackson memories and uh, thoughts on what the Vikings should be doing a week from Thursday in the NFL draft, the four real NFL draft virtually. But, um, you know, Craig laughed three times at that bite in the first 15 minutes of our show, so thought I'd play it back from Brad Childress. So there's a lot to get to. There's a lot of Vikings and vintage Vikings to talk. They were on Monday Night Football last night beating the Packers with Brett Favre and a member of that 2009 team with Favre and Tavares Jackson in that quarterback room. Uh, he had over a decade-long NFL career in Iowa State Cyclone. We have a lot of Cyclone fans here on KWSN, the Vikings affiliate right here in the Sioux Empire for almost 20 years. So it's a pleasure to bring to our show a man who's in the Twin Cities or at least on Twin Cities Sports Radio regularly on Score North, Sage Rosenfels on the Tires, Tires, Tires fan line. Sage, we couldn't figure out the context of who Brad Childress was talking about. Do you remember whose groin Brad Childress was talking about? about in that bite man i uh i never heard that before and it made me wonder you know in 2008 i, I played for the texans for my third year finishing up i had played a lot and i was looking to start but matt matt schaub was the starter and i really actually forced this trade to happen minnesota wanted me but i also wanted to go there i want to have a chance to compete with tavares jackson and uh and and, and have a chance to be a starter in the NFL. If I would have known about that quote before all of that, maybe I wouldn't have worked that trade so hard. I don't know, but uh, I'd never heard that quote before. And I know I don't know what he was talking about. Uh, obviously, somebody who probably got hurt in warm ups, I'm guessing. Yes. And then did not play in the game. And they're asking, why did you, why did so and so not play in the game? So he was an original, uh, played for a lot of coaches in my life, uh, you know, from, L- from Pee Wee League all the way up. Uh, you know, Tom Coughlin and Gary Kubiak and, you know, Nick Saban and Marty Schottenheimer. And oh. then there's also Brad Childress on that list. And so, um, yeah, that, that was quite the interesting year. And I definitely have probably one too many Brad Childress stories in the back of my pocket. Oh, well, well, that's good. I mean, first of all, <laughs> uh, I mean, you mentioned some Super Bowl winners and Hall of Famer, Famers like Coughlin and Schottenheimer and Kubiak. Uh, and you said he was quite an original as a head coach and as an offensive mind. Just give us an idea of uh, y- your assessment of him, considering that's all your backdrop. 
Well, you know, there, I think it's fairly known at this point that Chili and I, I can't say we didn't get along. We just, you know, it, it didn't work out well between us. You know, I was brought up there, you know, um, um, Rick Spielman, the general manager, who's still the general manager of the Vikings, he traded for me twice in his career. Uh, one time when I was in Washington, and and, uh, and he traded me down to Miami for like a seventh round draft pick uh, in my second season, uh, and then he also traded for me again. And I guess I was sort of Rick's guy, and and, and Brad, you know, Tavares was you know sort of you know Brad that they had that thing going on, and, and Chili drafted Tavares, and I think thought he was going to be the next uh, Donovan McNabb. And so you know, no matter what I did, and no matter well how I practiced, uh, and, and if Tavares didn't play well, it just didn't matter. Uh, Tavares, we all knew, was sort of going to – fairly early on, I felt like, you know, no matter how well I played in these preseason games, I think Tavares will probably be the, the guy and I'll be the backup. And and uh, But I was doing my best, and I thought I played really well in those preseason games. And sure enough, in the middle of it all, it didn't matter at all because Brett Favre showed up and probably gave me, gave me my most memorable career uh, – year of my career, and I didn't play it down. Um, and it was an amazing year. Uh, yesterday was just uh, – uh, just a strange day, a, a mix of emotions, and, and really even the, you know, the days before. The Kevin Rogers, the, the our quarterbacks coach during that great 2009 season in Minnesota, he texted me just the day before saying, "Hey, you going to watch the game tomorrow night? Maybe give me a heads up." And we had a funny little conversation, and then he w- boom wakes me up with the text uh, yes- yesterday morning that Tavares Jackson had passed away in a car accident. Uh, so, and then to end the day with watching that game and, and seeing all of us on the sidelines, you know, with, with Daryl Belville looking at the, the play sheets and, and obviously watching Favre play, man, that was, uh, that, that was a very interesting day. And, and uh, that was quite the game. And, and Tavares was a great teammate. And uh, I'm really, really sad that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get a chance to, to share, uh, you know, some of those moments with him because that quarterback room was tight. Um, you know, Favre was, was the living legend and, and uh, it was a tumultuous season. Childress was a part of it, of, of, of course. And we were the only ones to really know the real story of all the, 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 the smoke that kept being out there between Brad and Brett and, and the sort of the soap opera that was a part of that season. But, man, watching that game last night, watching a young Aaron Rodgers throw for almost 400 yards, but watching Favre just make him throw after throw and big play after big play, uh, he, he was quite the quarterback to, to back up. And de- definitely – one of, one of the more fun years, probably the most fun year of my entire career. Sage, uh, Daryl Bevel, and the relationship that he had with Brett Favre, they had worked together before, but what, were, what was the relationship like between those two guys, the offensive coordinator and Brett Favre? You know, it's interesting because they are in reality polar opposites. Uh, Daryl is straight-laced. He's Mormon. He's got like four or five kids. I don't think he drinks. He's He's straight. He doesn't swear almost ever. Um, he is as straight as they get. And of course, we all know Favre is sort of the gunslinger wild man. And, and he, of course, had all those issues, you know, earlier in his life that he's now, you know, fully healthy from. So they're, they're sort of opposites. What brought them together, I believe, was just the love of football and then respect. I think since they had worked together, there, they, they, there's ways they could sort of think the same way. They had been through a lot of uh, situations together. But there was just a great respect there, and they were and they were definitely friends. I would definitely call them friends. The way they communicated, um, you know. I tell you what, at the end of the day, Bevel was in charge, and Brett did try to do all the things that Bevel, you know, told him to do. Even the fact that 
you know, Brett was uh, in the Hall of Famer and Bevel was sort of a younger coordinator at that time. So uh, they got along really well. I've known Daryl Bevel since I was 19 years old. He was a, a graduate assistant at Iowa State because our coach, Dan McCarney, had come from Wisconsin and Barry Alvers where Bevel had played. So I'd known him a long time, too. Got along with Tavares right off the bat. Uh, everyone respected him on that football team. Uh, and Kevin Rogers had been, he was, you know, 16 years old been around college football for 25 of those years, been with the Vikings for a couple of years, uh, and he was a great uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, companion to have uh, and teacher uh, to have uh, in, that, lock, in that, uh, that quarterback room. So it, it was quite through a lot of great stories told, maybe even a few lies, uh, but a lot of, uh, <laughs> lot of fun stories. Obviously, probably the vast majority of them coming from uh, Brett Favre's mouth. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, fun would be the one word to describe the 09 Vikings. They were fun to watch and they were fun personalities. Sage Rosenfels was one of them in the quarterback room, his one year with the Vikings. It is Craig and John on your home of the Vikings in the Sioux Empire, Fox Sports 981, AM 1230, and KWSN.com. So Bevel was really in charge of the offense and calling the plays, as you say, but there's well noted tension between Favre and Childress. What you said, there's, there's stories you could tell. How about one of them, or at least give us a, an idea of what was going on between those two? Well, you know, I think it came down to this. You know, when you're a quarterback and you walk up to the line, you see things. And, and the longer you're in the league, the more you see. And, and you also see uh, where there's weaknesses in the defense, in the passing game, but also a lot of times in the running game. Uh, and there was occasions where Brett would go up there and maybe not have on an optimal play, but or that he would see something that probably nine out of ten times he was right in the play of being a really, really good audible. We weren't a big audibling team, but occasionally he would see something, and Brett was one of those guys who wanted to stick his foot on the gas. It wasn't good enough just to run a play to run a play because there's, when there's better ones out there, and, and sometimes he would do that. Uh, and again, it worked more often than not. I think Bevel was fine with it because he saw the production that we were having. I mean, we were one of the best offenses in the NFL that year. You can't really complain when you know a lot of these good things, when the quarterback is making the coordinator look like a genius, right? So Bevel didn't have an issue with it, but Brad did. Brad had a certain way. He liked to have the control. He liked the things done the way that he wanted to be done. And that's maybe not what they did back in the Philadelphia days, where I think it was more about who's in charge and, and, and who's the boss of that football team. And, and, and so it didn't really mesh well with Brett. It was like, because Brett's sitting there going, like, I'm try- I think I can make this team better. If we don't use 18 years of Brett Favre experience, you know, that, that, is, that is a waste. That is a gift. That is a, uh, a pleasure to have for any, for any uh, head coach, any uh, offensive coordinator, to have a guy who's already got 17, 18 years of experience adding that knowledge to the offense. And Brad didn't like that. So, and, you know, of course, the rest of us are like, listen, Brett is doing so many good things with what he's doing. You know, there's no reason to rock that boat. You try to, you know, hone him in a little bit, but, you know, he is who he is, and, and that's why they signed him. And, uh, and he ended up having the best year of his career, uh, 33 touchdowns, five interceptions, and just played like a warrior. And uh, we, he won a lot of football games that year uh, uh, with unbelievable throws. And, and you know, obviously there, it all ended with that, that NFC Championship game in the Superdome. Uh, in New Orleans in overtime, and uh, and I was right there for it, and and uh, uh, that that was that was just an amazing game. Sage, uh, you did come back to the Vikings a couple of years later. You came back in 2011. 
Uh, you were also with Miami that year, but the difference between the quarterbacks, you were with, with Tavares Jackson and Brett Favre, and you ended up your final year in the NFL with Christian Ponder and Donovan McNabb. What was going on in 2011 that uh, uh, that, yeah, that brings yeah, your so mind up? Interesting, interesting thing, yeah. So I'm, I'm playing in New York, and and, uh, and I'm getting injured uh, during camp early in the year, so they had sort of put me on IR, but when I was healthy, I really couldn't sign me back, and so I was sort of out of work for a month or so. And uh, and, and the Vikings released Donald McNabb because they were going to make Christian Ponder the starter. So then they had signed me, you know, that that very day. And uh, so I got to go there, and it was obviously Christian Ponder who was finishing up his rookie season, uh, and, and some other guys. And so that that was quite the jump going Brett Favre, Eli Manning to uh, you know Christian Ponder. So. Um, it was not a surprise to me. I liked Christian Ponder. Uh, I saw, I did see some good things as a rookie, but going through that whole off season and into that training camp, um, it did not surprise me that he he didn't end up having a a great career and and really just lasted for a couple of years in the NFL despite being a first round draft pick. Mm, man, there are so many so many stories to tell. So many thoughts we could grasp from Sage here. It's Sage Rosenfels, the former Viking, uh, with blasts from the past and also where the Vikings go. I, but I, I want to go back to 09 and Favre because, again, zillion stories you could tell, but what's a classic one? What is vintage Brett Favre? Uh, and maybe something we didn't know about Brett Favre or wouldn't have expected that would surprise us about uh, Favre on the 09 Vikings. We know he was a wild man. I'd love to know, hear just how wild and something fun, but, uh, you know, give us a glimpse. Well, I'm not going to tell you the good stuff. Uh, that's of course gonna not. stay with me forever, you know, uh, but... Um, yeah, some, some, um, you know, the, the Packers stories about what those guys used to do back in the day and flying down to Cancun on a private plane and those things. I, I'll leave those for myself. But, um, the thing I remember in, in, in Carolina, one of my favorite Barb stores, and this is late in that season. Maybe we got three, three games left in the year, four games left in the year. Uh, I, I think it was a Sunday night football game. Maybe I think it was a Sunday night game, national televised game. Uh, and we're playing at Carolina, uh, and you know we got a really good football team. You know we're, we know we're going to make the playoffs, uh, but we got to get these wins because you got to get that. We really want to get that number one seed, and we were just right there with the Saints. Uh, and, and so we're at Carolina, and Favre's getting abused. Uh, Brian McKinney, our left tackle, I uh, love the guy, but you know Julius Peppers was having one of those nights uh, where he was just uh, uh, Brian just cannot block him, and so Brett's getting beat up pretty good. Um, and, and at seven six at halftime. You know, Favre's actually playing all right, but we just can't really get much going offensively. And, and of course, left tackle is getting beat a lot. And and, uh, and and in the third quarter, Brad walks over to Tavares, and I stand on the sidelines and go, I think I'm going to take Brett out and put you in, Tavares. And then he walked away, and T-Jack looked at me, and he goes, I don't want any piece of that. Uh, so <laughs> he does not want to be the guy who Brett Favre got benched for. And it wasn't even Brett's fault. It was the left tackle's fault. So, after the game, we're in the locker room, and and uh, in, in that locker room, there's sort of a, a corner, and and I walk up there and, and uh, uh, into the locker room, and and uh, uh, Brett is is talking to two of our PR guys uh, who've been the Vikings for a long time, and he's just super frustrated. We got beat, and and obviously all the stuff that happened with with the head coach, and and uh, Brett says something like, "Man, I wish I could just say something to the media, but all the ridiculousness that's going on." And I said, "I bet you twenty bucks that you don't." And he walked right up to that to that podium and told the whole world that Childress was going to bench him in the third quarter. 
Wow. <laughs> and, he, and he got 20 bucks out of it. So that's one of my favorite uh, favorite farm stories. Uh, I, I, he was a great teammate. Uh, guys loved playing with him. And, and man, he was you know, just, I think, I think the best football player that I ever saw uh, in that season. Mm-hmm. Just, I'd never seen, I got to play with Adrian Peterson, of course, and Ricky Williams ran for 1,835 yards, also one of the best guys I ever played with. You know, Jason Taylor, uh, you know, Bruce Smith, you know, his career. I played with a lot of Hall of Fame guys. Far the stuff that he did, probably because I played the position and I knew how hard it was, and the stuff that he did really was phenomenal. Craig, anything left for Sage? Uh, not on uh, from the 2009. I'm just going to get his assessment of what he sees right now with Kirk Cousins, and with uh, you know, we got a, a familiar offensive coordinator. Uh, what do you think the Vikings have uh, if and when we play the NFL season? Yeah, so I mean, that is the thing: is do we play the season? That's a whole other conversation. I'm sure you guys are having that on occasion. It's mm-hmm. probably a day to day thing, and we'll see how things go. I think everything is day to day, but. Um, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins, here, here's how I see Kirk, and I think Kirk's a very good quarterback, but Kirk is almost only as good as the people around him. If the left tackle doesn't play well, Kirk Cousins doesn't have a chance. If there's not a running game, Kirk Cousins usually struggles. Right? If he doesn't have really good receivers that get good separation, he can struggle. He needs to have those pieces around him. He's a very... Um, he's all about execution. He's an execution quarterback. He's not a playmaker quarterback. And I like to describe Kirk in a way. Cause I grew up with, I grew up in Eastern Iowa. All right. My dad's from Chicago. Watched a lot of Cubs growing up. Watched a lot of Chicago Bulls growing up. Chicago Bears, right? Well, John Paxson was a fine point guard. He a lot of times hit that open shot, right? But John Paxson didn't create his own shot. John Paxson uh, uh, didn't make other people necessarily better, right? So Kirk doesn't really make his offensive line better, but if he has all those pieces around him, he does make that open shot more often than not. He is a very good, accurate, strong-on quarterback, and that's what he does well. But the hard part is, over the course of the season, over the course of a playoff run, in, in, inevitably the quarterback has to make a couple big-time plays in the game that, that need athleticism, and that's where he struggles. He doesn't have that athleticism that a lot of other quarterbacks have. Well, yeah, I guess if John, if he's John Paxson and perhaps Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs when he was there, Adam Thielen were Jordan Pippen and well Jordan and Pippen, then uh, I guess the Vikings' offensive line would be Will Purdue. Uh, yeah, Bush yeah, I don't know. I, you know, uh, <laughs> here's a good way to describe it. All right, Steph Curry. Yeah, uh, Steph Curry, Pat Mahomes. All right, Pat Mahomes. He can make every shot. He, he walks into the gym, he's in his range, right? That's Pat Mahomes, and that's Steph Curry. He also finds ways to make other players better, where his dribbling, his one-on-one, the stuff that he does, the way he threatens the defense, that uh, people come to him, they double-team him, the focus is on him, and that gets other people open. Mahomes does some of that stuff, too. He's accurate on the things that, that matter, but also when things break down, he makes that left guard better who just got beat yeah. right off the snap. He makes uh, uh, sometimes receivers really, really good because he is accurate. Um, that, that's the difference between Kirk Cousins and Pat Mahomes. Even if the statistics sometimes are similar, we all know the eye test, uh, there's no yeah. stat for that. All right, and, and considering that and considering Cousins got a short extension, we only have time for about one more question, so I'm going to throw the, the draft and the Vikings offensive future 
And even considering Dalvin Cook and what kind of leverage he might have after McCaffrey's contract, it's hard to throw this all in the one pot, but I'll try. Because I want to hear what you have to say. I know some of your contemporaries at Score North Radio in the Twin Cities uh, has said early on that oh, the Vikings ought to move up and try to go for Tua Tagovailoa because of his mobility, his, able, his ability to escape the pressure, of which Kirk Cousins cannot. And there is going to be it because the Vikings line isn't good enough. And uh, that probably we obviously know that probably won't happen because Cousins is locked in for another couple of years. Um, but what did you think of that early opinion of the Vikings quarterbacking future and also just now of what they ought to do with their major draft moves? Well, that's a good question. And, you know, I, I think I would have thought that could be a possibility if they wouldn't have just given Kirk uh, an extra two years on his contract. And, and really just one of those years is, is basically guaranteed. There's a $10 million cap hit for that last yeah. year, but uh, I'm fairly sure Kirk Cousins will be the quarterback for the next two years, which means you draft Tua, and you'd have to be on the bench for probably two years. So do you think right? it was a mistake so, to keep Cousins, and they should have maybe gambled on Tua? Well, that's another conversation to be had. Either way, I, I wasn't personally a big fan of signing him back to that extension. Um, I, I just, if you look at the quarterbacks who have won Super Bowls over the course of the last 20 years, there's only been a couple John Paxson types, right? Maybe you throw Joe Flacco in there. You know, you go way back to obviously like the Dilfers of the world. Uh, but more often than not, you're talking Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, great quarterbacks who make everybody around them better. They walk in the building and they make everybody in that building raise their game. Kirk hasn't done that. So it's just really hard to win a Super Bowl unless you sort of get lucky with that guy and, and you find him one way or another. And with the Bree situation, he wasn't playing very well. That team wasn't very good. And, and they drafted Phillip Rivers, caused him to move on. Obviously, he had that shoulder injury, you know, as well. Peyton Manning was the injury at the end of his career. But a lot of times it's, it's you know, guys that end up be, being drafted, you know, Mahomes or whether it's Mahomes early or, or Tom Brady late, you end up drafting them and you get lucky and you find a great quarterback. And to me, uh, I think you keep searching until you find a great one. And this would have been a year maybe where, uh, you know, maybe as a first rounder, a guy like two, you try to move up. Maybe he falls because of the injury or, or whatnot. Uh, uh, but, you know, maybe there's a guy in the second round that they try to get. And you just sort of take a chance on him. But, you know, I just don't think Kirk Cousins is the guy that's going to win them a Super Bowl. I just truly don't believe it because you just, it's hard to do unless you're a great quarterback. So I'm always on the, on the, I know Kyle Shanahan extremely well, and I know he likes Jimmy Garoppolo and probably loves Jimmy Garoppolo, but I promise you Kyle Shanahan is always looking for a better quarterback because he knows that if you have John Elway, you can win Super Bowl, and that's what his dad did, right? So it, it, it really helps to have a great one, and that's why I wouldn't have timed that extension. Yeah. Now, you know, you know, going forward, the, the Vikings obviously do have these draft needs. They've got at least one corner they need to get. Um, you know, Mike Hughes, I think he's going to start on one side, but they lost two of their starting corners last year. Everson Griffin is gone. That's a premier position. Quarterback's a premier position. Uh, they need a wide receiver. That's a premier position. You know, we're not talking about that, you know, third linebacker or, you know, one of the guards that's a, a real issue. We're talking about premier positions. And so the Vikings definitely have needs, uh, big time needs, which is why I don't think they're going to do 
you know, give up two first rounders for a quarterback who's probably not going to play for two years when yeah, they probably have at least three, if not four, starting spot needs at premier positions right now. Yeah. Well, Sage, you've said a lot, and yet uh, you've left them wanting more. And uh, we'd uh, we'd love to have you back soon. Perhaps uh, next week before the draft, the week after that, after we know what the Vikings have done. But thank you for joining us today. That was awesome. Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. The, Stay uh, safe out there. You bet. You too. The former Iowa State Cyclone and Minnesota Vikings, Sage Rosenfels, with, as they call it, when he appears on the radio in the Twin Cities, Sage Wisdom. Uh, short segment before we get to the top of the hour. We're going to hear from Bryant McKinney on that 09 Vikings team that was featured last night and his thoughts on Brad Childress. Uh, Matt Zimmer and the problems that SDSU and every college athletic department is facing financially right now during these pandemic times. It's Craig and John, Fox Sports 98.1, AM 1230, KWSN.com. Get the latest local sports news, scores, schedules, and columns from John Gaskins by going to KWSN.com. Also hear the station live and Craig and John segments on demand at KWSN.com.